Hey, we are continuing on in a series that we've entitled Half Full. That's uh, We just thought uh, back earlier this summer when we planned this, this might be really helpful, and it turned out to be more helpful than we could have imagined because um, just the other day, it was Friday the 13th during 2020, and there were people posting online, I'm not even getting out of bed today. This is going to be a bad day. Um, well, that's kind of looking at things as half empty, if you ask me. In fact, uh, when Debbie and I first got married, we lived in Houston, Texas, and I was working for a ministry to high school kids there. And um, But what's so interesting is, is that when we moved in, there was another couple that moved in that had just gotten married also, but they had moved down from Michigan. We'd moved from here. And uh, we both lived in the same apartment complex. We both lived in the same city of Houston. And we would get together with them for dinner, and we'd go and do different things with them. And every time we got together with them, they would tell us how horrible Houston was. They would talk about the traffic, which was bad, and they'd talk about the heat and humidity, which pretty much lasts all year long. But um, the thing that they never did focus on, they never focused on any things that were, that were excellent. I mean, they have the best Tex-Mex food in Houston I could possibly imagine. I mean, we would go out to eat at places, and I would just go, this is amazing. I went to NBA games in Houston. Uh, we got to see uh, Larry Bird play his final uh, round in the, the NBA. He came to Houston and played you know, in the final lap of the thing. I got to see him play live. I got to see all these things. I mean, I never would have done that at any other place that I've lived. We had professional sports of every kind. They had amazing museums. They had all kinds of fascinating people. And so our experience and their experience was completely different. In fact, about a year and a half after we'd been there, this couple moved back to Michigan because there's nothing good in Houston. It was terrible. And for us, there were so many things that were good in Houston. It was awesome. And we still have friends there years and years, decades later. Now, I share all that with you to remind us that our perspective is always on the line. Every day, my attitude can be determined by my circumstances or can be determined by what I think. I mean, what I think about things is, is key here. If I allow my circumstances to determine my line of thinking, then I'm in trouble. Does everybody see where we're going with this today? I hope you do, because point A on your outline, if you're with us, uh, joining us online, I'm glad you are. You can get the outline on our website, or you can download, download it on our app. But point A on the outline is simply this. If we want to see things half full, then we need to make sure we focus our thoughts on what is true. I mean, to say there's nothing good in Houston is completely wrong. There's lots good in Houston. There's lots good in my life and your life if we look for it. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. If I want peace in my life, I need to think right thoughts and then put those thoughts into practice. And that starts with focusing on what is true. And today I want to talk with you about that. Because this is a real challenge in our culture today. Because we don't even know what to trust. In fact, there's a Gallup poll that came out uh, back in uh, September. And Gallup asked the question, do you trust the media? Here was the response. 9% of people in the United States trust the media a great deal. 31% trusted a fair amount, 27% trust it not very much, and 33% don't trust it at all. And you may be in the 33% and said, I could have told you that. But that means that 60% of Americans, 6 out of 10, 
either trust the media very little or not at all. Well, then how do we know what to think? Where can we find truth? How can we focus on something that's always true? Well, you're not going to be surprised by this if you've been around Centerpoint. This is why we have God's Word. And I want to give you some encouragement from God's Word because God's Word is trustworthy and true. And if that's good news to you today, would you say amen? Amen. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, what I think determines how I act and what I say. And my attitude can be in the dumpster 10 minutes after I wake up. But, Father, it can also be completely transformed if I'm willing to listen to your word and focus on what's true. So remind us today of some things that are true. Help us keep our eyes on you, for you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, Lord, you promised to guide us. You will never leave us and forsake us. And, God, we just ask that you remind us of these things. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, first of all, I want to remind us that you and I can know the truth because God's word is truth. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples who remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Set you free from what? Worry, fear, anger, anxiety, depression, all these things that focusing on false things will do to us. I can wake up this morning, it's misty and gray outside, and I go, oh, it's terrible. It's, it's just going to be awful. But then I can get online and look at the forecast. Oh, it's supposed to burn off by 10 a.m. It's supposed to be a beautiful day. Oh, well, then I don't need to worry about it. No. Depends on what I focus on. Do I focus on what I see right now, or do I focus on something that I know is true? Well, it's true in every area of our lives. But when we focus on God's word, Jesus said, if you focus on God's word, you can focus on the truth and it'll set you free because it's not contingent on our circumstances. And that's where we trip up over and over again. In fact, when Jesus prayed for his disciples in John 17, 17, the night before he was crucified, he said, Father, make this is for his disciples. This includes you and me. He prayed for them and everybody who would believe because of them. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus himself said that the Bible is truth. And that's why when you read the Bible, it's like no other book that's ever been written. In fact, the way Paul described it was this. He said, all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. Somebody came in my office this week and they had really blown it. And they had. When they told me what they'd done, it's like they said, I think I blew it. And I went, well, you did. And they well, you're not making me feel any better. I go, well, we haven't gotten to the good part yet. This is where we confess our sins to the Lord, and he forgives us and remembers them no more. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that fella, he left, and he went, I'm so glad I came in here. And we prayed that God would show him now how to restore a situation where he'd really blown it, how to make an apology. All he had done was focus on what he'd done that was wrong and was just beating himself up. Has anybody here ever done that before? Okay, we all do. And we can't go around living like that. But if we focus on the truth, we go, oh, even when I blow it, God will forgive me. If that's good news to you this morning, will you say amen? amen. Now think about how important this is in the times in which we live. I mean, the global pandemic is still going on, and as seasons change, it appears to be spiking again. Was well, God going to see us through this? Well, the Bible says so. I don't need to be afraid. 
Neither do you. So we can know the truth because God's word is truth. Secondly, we can know the truth because the Holy Spirit will guide us into the truth. Jesus told his disciples this too. He said, look, I want to tell you so many things. I can't tell them all to you now. But he said in John 16, 13, but when the spirit of truth comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he'll guide you into all truth. I mean, the great news about coming to Christ, a big part of the good news about a relationship with Jesus is it's not just that he forgives us of our sins. It's that also we get the Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside of us. And he transforms the way we think. Mm. But this is the new covenant I'll make with the people of Israel on that day. And this is Hebrews 8.10, says the Lord. I'll put my laws on their minds. I'll write them on their hearts. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He changes the way we think. And now all of a sudden, I'm aware of things I was never aware of before. And I have hope in situations where I'd been completely hopeless. I get convicted about things that used to not bother me. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's guiding us. Because now we're thinking God's thoughts because his spirit is inside of us. It's important to note here, we shouldn't expect non-believers to know the truth or think like we do. 1 Corinthians 2. Look, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has given us. Now, people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Now, we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. This is why it is unbelievable sometimes when you try to explain the hope that you have to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, and they go, I don't see why you could see anything good in this. I don't see how you could possibly forgive that person after the, what they did to you. I don't see why you could possibly look at this illness you have and still have hope. I'm trusting in the Lord. And it seems foolish. Yeah, but everything's going crazy. Well, no, heaven is fine. And even when, I, even when my mortal body dies, I get a brand new body in heaven. We talked about all that last week. But when you talk to people who don't believe, they're just looking at what they see right now. And if things they see right now are going south, then everything's going south. But we have hope and faith, and we can see things that don't even exist yet. That's what, means, that's what it means to live by faith and not by sight. And that's why it doesn't matter in one sense. I mean, in an eternal sense, it doesn't matter what happens to us every day. Because the Lord will see us, see us through it no matter what it is. Now, in a very real practical sense that day, it matters because the Lord promises to be with us through that hardship, no matter what it is. And we don't ever need to forget these things. In fact, this is how the Holy Spirit works together with God's Word. The Bible is God's inspired Word. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers of Scripture to write down what they wrote. And then that same Holy Spirit helps us understand what they wrote. So I can read these Scriptures, and this always happens when people become uh, when they give their life to Christ, they become aware now. They read the Bible. I read it now. It's like, it, it's like the words just jump off the page to me. And they love reading the Bible. They say, I never used to even understand it. Now I get it. Well, yeah, because the Holy Spirit is opening our minds. So we can know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We can know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Can we say that together? We can know the truth, and the truth will set us free from worry, fear, Anger, impatience, 
oh, we can be filled with love and joy and peace. I want that, and so do you. So if we want to see things half full, we have to focus on what's true. The Bible's true. The Holy Spirit will help us see the truth. Secondly, we need to remind ourselves that we are constantly involved in battles for control of our thoughts with three enemies who will always lie. Now, if you're wondering, well, John, why is this so hard for me to focus on what's true? Well, it's hard for us to focus on what's true because we're not just in a neutral environment. I mean, we have enemies that are constantly lying to us, three of them. First of all, we battle the world, for, uh, which is our sinful culture. And our culture will lie to us because our culture will focus just on our circumstances. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. This is 1 John 2, uh, starting with verse 15. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These aren't from the Father, but they're from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. And so if I chase after the world, after everything in our world, well, I'm going to think just like everybody else does. And that's where the Holy Spirit um, is constantly reminding us, hey, 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 don't believe everything you see and hear. The life application for you and me is this, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Just because somebody says something in our culture doesn't mean it's true. I hope you've discovered by now that not everything on the internet is true. Does everybody know that? Yeah. Well, our culture is coming at us fast and furious, all kinds of messages every day. If it's not an advertisement, it's a social media post. If it's not a social media post, it's a text or a tweet or it's something else. And sometimes it's gloom and doom, and sometimes it is, hey, you've got to have this or you'll never be happy. And so uh, even in the Connect Group questions as part of this little outline, uh, one of the questions are question four. I talked about a lie the world gives us. A lie that our culture is constantly pushing at us is that I always have to have more. No matter what I have, I have to have more. I can never be content. And whoever has the most lives life the best. And we even know that's not true because we see people who are very wealthy and very famous and they have all the fame and all the attention and all the money you could ever need. And their lives are a shambles. Well, if that made you truly happy, then they'd be on top of it all, every one of them. But it doesn't work out that way. In fact, Jesus told a story. It was so interesting in Luke chapter 12. He told the story of a, a man who stored up all his bumper crops one year and these big barns, and he built all these big barns. He said, man, I've got enough money to retire and relax the rest of my life. I'm going to pretty much eat, drink, and be merry and be happy. And he said, that night the angel of the Lord came to him and said, you fool, this very night your life is going to be demanded of you, and then who's going to get all your stuff? And he said, we are foolish to store up earthly wealth and not have a right relationship with God. Because what matters most is a right relationship with God and to gain his perspective on life. And then it doesn't matter whether we have more or whether we have less, whether things are good or bad. We can weather any storm. And that's where he wants us to be. We don't have to give in to the lies. We can believe the truth. And it sets us free. Secondly, so not only do we battle the world, which is our sinful culture, we've also battled the flesh. These are old sinful habits, bad attitudes. Uh, Rick Warren at Saddleback Church describes it this way. He says these are your hurts, your hang-ups, and your uh, bad habits. And those are things that control us. And when we first become a Christian, or as we grow in our Christian life, 
piece by piece, step by step, attitude by attitude, habit by habit, relationship by relationship, the Lord asks us to surrender these things to him. And through discipleship and through spiritual growth, we do. And he wants us to learn from that. And so all through our lives, we're having to constantly say, hey, that's a bad attitude. I'm not going to embrace that anymore. And the Holy Spirit shows us these things and gives us the strength and the power to change these things. So here's what it says in Romans 8. It says, um, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you're going to die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. So when I'm going through my daily life, I will have cravings, desires, thoughts that want to pull me back to the way I used to live before I met Christ even though now I'm a brand new creature. And I've even confessed these things to him. Well, then what Paul recommends we do is that we surrender those every day and say, God, I don't want to think like I used to think. I don't want to give in to fear. I don't want to give in to temptation. I don't want to give in to anger or lust. I don't want to be that person anymore. And as God reveals these things to us, he gives us opportunities to grow in grace and to grow in faith and trust him more. And some old habits die hard. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. But that's why we have each other, too, to encourage each other. Don't give up. Some of these old flesh patterns, they were deeply ingrained. Because it wasn't just us. I mean, I might worry, but my mom might have worried more than me. And I might struggle with anger. My dad might have struggled with anger more than, more than I do. We grew up around some people who were... They were, they were good, and they taught us how to do this the wrong way well. <laughs> it's just true. But it's also true that now we're around Christian brothers and sisters. We can learn to depend on the Spirit and surrender well. It's one of the reasons we're gathered here today. I don't have to give in to the desires of the flesh anymore. That's what Paul says. So here's a life application. Jesus told the disciples the night before he was crucified, he just wanted them to stay for an hour and pray with them. Pray with him. And they said, yeah, we'll go pray with you. And then when, they started to pray, they all, when he started to pray, they all fell asleep. It was late at night, and they were tired. And so he came back to them and woke them up, and he said, guys, watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, the same thing's true with you and me every day. We need to watch and pray. And we need to watch ourselves. Hey, if I'm sliding back into old habit patterns, I need to pray about that. I need to go get some Christian help with this. Would you pray with me? I don't want to go back to this anymore. I mean, the flesh can tell me all kinds of things. The flesh can tell me I'm a big shot when I'm not. The flesh can also tell me I'm worthless when that's not true either. I talk about this with people all the time. The flesh goes, well, you know, I'm looking at people on social media and everybody looks better than me. I may even like my house and, and my garden until I got on that website for better homes and gardens, and that's better. Everybody's better than me. And then you read the Bible, which is true, and it says, you're a child of the king, and God created you with a purpose in mind. In fact, he planned it before the world began. He adopted you into his family. You're an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. 
He wants you to live an abundant, fulfilling life. He'll give you the Holy Spirit to give you the desire and the power to do that. Anybody feel encouraged yet? Were you supposed to say amen? Okay. I hope that encourages you today. Because our flesh will tell us, I'm nothing, I'm worthless. It's not true. It's not true, it's a lie. Suicide is at an all-time high in our country right now. For the first time in decades, life expectancy has gone down. It's because of suicide. People are believing lies. We have the truth. The Holy Spirit's inside us working on this. We can't give in to lies from our culture, from our flesh. And the third one is from the devil. A third enemy we face is the devil. We battle him constantly. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In John 8.44, Jesus said the devil has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. In some translation it says it's his native language. And what's tricky about this is the lies always have a kernel of the truth, so they sound true. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. I mean, there are all kinds of false teachers out there, false prophets who say the Bible isn't true. Let me tell you what the truth really is. And they take a little kernel of the truth and twist it. And it sounds believable, but it leaves us in despair. We can come to God no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. We can surrender our lives to him. He fills us with the Holy Spirit, changes the way we think from the inside out, gives us his word to guide us, gives us brothers and sisters in Christ to surround us and help us, and he promises to be with us no matter what happens so we can be steady and confident, even if the world is going up and down all around us. Here's a life application. We're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We use God's word. Paul says in Ephesians 6, it's like a sword. We can use it to fight off the devil's attacks. We have a shield of faith. We have a helmet of salvation that reminds us what God has done for us. He gives us his righteousness as a breastplate to wear. We have a belt of truth. We can know the truth. We have a fellowship of believers. We have shoes that allow us to go confidently and share the gospel wherever he sends us. We don't use guns and tanks and bombs to fight the devil. It wouldn't do any good. But when we use the truth, we can stand firm against him and resist him, and he will flee from us. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can I get an amen on that? Another life application, we need to gently instruct those who oppose the truth. I mean, if people don't understand the truth, they don't get it because they don't have the mind of Christ yet, well, that's what we need to gently instruct them. Perhaps God will change people's hearts and they'll learn the truth, and then they'll come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. I mean, before I became a believer, of course I did whatever the devil wanted. I didn't know there was a true way to go. I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand the scriptures. But now that I have Christ, I can see these things. And so I'm going to gently instruct others so they can come too, into the light and out of the darkness. 
One final thing I want to remind you of this morning. Whatever we think about this week will determine our attitudes and actions. I'm going all the way back to the beginning again. Think about things that are excellent and true. Proverbs 23, 7 reminds us, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. It's a proverb about eating at the house of a stingy man. He'll tell you, eat up, lots of good food. But the proverb goes on, but the whole time he's just thinking about how much it's going to cost him. He said, you're going to, and Solomon said, you're going to regret ever having a meal with that guy. Because as he thinks in his heart, that's who he really is. Well, that's not just true for the miser. That's true for you and me. If I meditate on fearful stuff, I'm going to be fearful. If I meditate on angering things, I'm going to be angry. If I meditate on love and joy and peace and hope from God's word, I'm going to be filled with love and joy and hope and peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Isaiah 26, 3. Can we read that verse out loud together, please? You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. One more time. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, I want you to hear testimony from a couple in our church who've been praying for a long time for an answer to prayer, and they were about ready to give up because circumstances looked like God was never going to answer their prayer. But they learned a valuable lesson to trust in the Lord and keep praying and not give up. Good morning. I'm Tim Tyler, and this is my wife, Amanda, and our son, Mike. And uh, John has asked us to talk to you all this morning about uh, God answering prayers and how he's answered our prayers uh, by giving us Mike. About three years ago, we started you know, praying for a child and after a lot of prayer and um, you know, conversations, we really felt like the Lord was um, leading us to adoption. Yeah, Amanda and I had prayed you know, for several years uh, that uh, that God would bless us with a, a child of our own. Um, there were times when I almost gave up. Actually, I was to a point to where I said, if something doesn't happen soon, then I'm, you know, I, I can't deal with this anymore because we didn't, you know, think it would ever happen. You know, there were so many people. So many people prayed for, were praying for us and praying for him from, you know our connect group from day one and our families and our family small groups. We ran into so many different obstacles and, and clearly uh, those opportunities were not right for us. Um, it wasn't time either, I don't think, and God knew that. And when this happened, it, it happened so quickly. We just didn't get a child, we got the right ours, child yeah. and he's ours and he's a gift uh, from God and he's also a gift from the young lady um, who, who bore the child. We were there for a lot of the appointments. Um, we were actually there for the birth. I was able to cut the cord uh, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, one lesson that God, you know, did teach me through all this is, you know, as Tim said, to, to trust his timing and to, to know that he really has better plans for me than I really can imagine. If you know, if we had gotten answers before we did last fall in September, it wouldn't have been our little Mike, you know. I know uh, 2020's been rough for a lot of people on a lot of different um, levels. Um, I think 
that there are some of us that think God has just kind of forgotten about us and um, not listening to our prayers. But I can tell you firsthand that and it's not that God is not hearing us or he doesn't want to bless us. He just knows that maybe the time's not right. Maybe, maybe it should happen later. Maybe you're not where you need to be right now. Maybe what you're asking for is not what you need. So just trust God and, 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 and what you're praying for may, you know, I don't know, it may not ever come to pass, but I'm sure I know that there's a reason. There's a reason for that that we may not ever understand. But maybe one day, you know, we will. I wanted them to share that story because there are so many times they were, because I remember praying with them and they'd prayed for so long and we prayed together right before God answered that prayer. And I was able to share with them some scriptures that we even talked about today. Don't give up. Keep praying. And that's what I tell you today. We need to focus on the things that are true. God answers prayer. God will always be with us. He promises to guide us along the best pathway for our life. His word is true and trustworthy, even when other things around us are not. And so we don't need to be afraid. So we're going to spend a little time praying, but first of all, I just want to sing a simple chorus. It's just in my life, Lord, right? Lord, be glorified. Okay, be glorified. Yeah, sorry, I got that wrong. Anyway, if you guys could stand, we're going to sing the simple chorus a couple of them through, and then stay standing. I want us to pray. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified today. then we have to think about things that are true. Will you pray with me about these things? Father, we ask that, Lord, you would let us see life as half full and not empty. And we can't do that if we only focus on things that are wrong, if we only focus on things that are bad, and we never consider all the blessings that are around us. So, Father, please show us the truth. Give us a hunger for your word. Would you pray that right now, that God would give you a hunger for his word, that you'd read it, 
and know it and be strengthened by it. Oh God, that's what we want. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit and you would guide us into all truth. Father, we thank you that we have the mind of Christ. We can know your thoughts. We don't have to give in to temptation. And Father, we ask that you would protect us from the evil one, that you'd lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh, gracious God, we pray, Father, that you would give us control over our thoughts. And as we battle the flesh, Lord, that we would watch and pray. And if we see our attitude going south, we'd pray more. We'd ask for help from Christian brothers and sisters and say, would you pray with me? Father, fill us with power to do what's right. And Father, we pray that you would give us courage so that we might stand against so many things in our culture which aren't true. Father, that we would be people of hope when times when people are hopeless. That we remind people that we don't have to have everything in order to be happy. That godliness plus contentment is great gain. And oh God, that you remind us that you're always with us and you'll never leave us or forsake us. In my life, Lord, be glorified today. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.